up, everybody? This is Micah Canary, and I want to welcome you to YoungAdults.Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And today, we're actually joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah Canary. Hey, Josiah, thank you so much for joining us or letting me do the intro. Maybe that's what I should say. <laughs> hey, everybody. We're glad to be here. We're excited for today. Yes, and today we have an awesome individual who is on fire for God, who's done amazing things, continues to re, um, rely on God for all the things that he's doing. And that is our dear friend and maybe a mentor to you or to us. And his name is Paul Herkman. And Paul joins us today, and he's actually the executive director of Venture. And they do tough things for people in tough places. Josiah, do you want to introduce a little more of Paul today? Yeah. Well, when I started in young adult ministry in 2012, there was no Young Adults Today podcast. I could hardly find any books that were written on the topic. And in fact, very few people in Minnesota, where we're at or beyond, I could hardly find anyone to pick their brain except Paul. Um, I heard about Paul at North Central Universities. Uh, my, my professors would say, hey, you got to pick Paul's brain. And so Paul's brain, I picked. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I would annoy him with a lot of questions. But I know, Micah, you knew Paul at the same time, just in in a different state. Yeah, so I actually met you, Paul, when you came to North Dakota in Bismarck, mm-hmm. where we were booming as a young adult ministry called the UG, which was yep. United Generation. Way to go, Josh Shodal. Yes, praise awesome the Lord stuff. for Pastor Josh and the team that's still there. And um, it's just awesome to have you come in as one of our guest speakers at our very first Emerging Voices conference. And I believe that's still going today. It is. Mm-hmm. And that is a conference that's geared towards <clears throat> 18 to 30-year-olds. And you were just such an asset um, to come in and to speak and to preach and to to meet you, see your passion for people, passion for God's kingdom, and just a passion for connecting people to God's kingdom. And you did that actually through venture that actually started here in the state of Minnesota. That's right. So <clears throat> for everyone listening today, Paul reminds Micah and I of Jesus. Um, this is an <laughs> audio podcast, so you, we'll post a picture on social media, but Paul looks like Jesus, or maybe our preconceived notions of what Jesus might look like. (laughs) Euro version, yes. (laughs) But he reminds us of Jesus because of his heart for people, his compassion, um, the fact that he preaches with no shoes on, as well as um, just how people would seek out Jesus and his kingdom. People seek out Paul. I was one of those people. In fact, if I heard a rumor that Paul might be at Mall of America, what I would do is I would just show up at Mall of America. That's ridiculous. And uh, I think that says way yesterday. more about you than it does me. <laughs> so I may or may not have stalked Paul, but I just saw, we, we were both there yesterday at Mall of America, but Paul, thanks for being with I, us. I don't know if I'm comfortable with the audience knowing that I was at the Mall of America, one of my least favorite places on the planet. Uh, hey, I want to, you know, you think about the first sentence you want to say, and I just want to say that I am not only honored, but humbled to be asked. It's uh, interesting that you talk about when we had a conversation at a restaurant over young adults and when we were at the Emerging Voices and over decades, it never gets old or I don't get used to or take for granted when people want to take time and have a conversation. It's very humbling. I think anybody who's been in their trade, their craft, um, their calling, has been in any space for any amount of time. And when someone says, hey, I want to hear what you've learned during that time in that space, it, um, it just feels, 
you know, I guess I'm just going to do what you're not supposed to do on a podcast and say the same thing, but it, it's humbling and I'm really excited to be here and I'm excited about where this conversation will go and I'm excited about where this podcast in general is going in with your leadership. So thank you for letting me be a part of this journey. Absolutely. We're so glad that you're here and just excited for all the awesome things that things that God is doing. And um, so, Paul, we're going to start right off with question number one. And I had mentioned venture before. Could you just explain to the audience if they don't know what is venture? That is really the million dollar question because (laughs) venture. um, So some people will say, uh, is venture a adventure organization, and we definitely are. Is Venture a missions organization, and we definitely are. Is Venture a philanthropy organization, and I would say no, we're not, but we're definitely a justice organization, a biblical justice organization. And so depending on where somebody is coming from in their place of life depends on how we explain Venture. We say we do tough things for people in tough places. Uh, We use biking, hiking, and running as a creative platform to get people to move from comfortable to less comfortable. They log miles. They raise awareness for justice projects around the world. They raise money. And then we identify some of the most difficult places on the planet. We call it the intersection of the least reached least resourced and least reached is less than two percent gospel witness least resourced is where people are being um, limited in uh, what their basic daily needs are it can be overt oppression or it can be human trafficking it can be uh, a, um, a refugee crisis it could be a feeding problem extreme poverty any of these type of things and where that overlap is we believe is one of the greatest places the most fertile grounds for the full hope of the full gospel to be communicated. And so we work with national leaders in those areas. And so we talk about miles connecting to missions, people that do anything from running a 5K or a 30-mile run to biking across the country to right now we have a team that's running the uh, Superior Hiking Trail. They're going to log over 100 miles in one week. Uh, They have been wet. They've been sloppy. They have been um, (laughs) bit by the Minnesota State bird, the mosquito. (laughs) Um, But they are raising tens of thousands of dollars to fight human trafficking right now with every mile that they log. It's incredible. And I know that my journey or my narrative with venture started because the home church I grew up in is the same home church that Venture was launched out of originally. And at the same time, we heard, I think it was 2013, a group of us heard about what was happening on the Thai-Burma border. That's right. And we just got together as a group of us and said, we want to do something called Run for the Border. I think it was about 100 miles in four days. And we raised, I I think the team, it was about a hundred some thousand dollars for that project, kind of run for the border of Minnesota. And what it was really doing is running for the border of Burma and Thailand, doing tough things for people in tough places. That's right. That's right. So your um, Cedar Valley as a church has been uh, such an anchoring uh, voice in the venture story from the very beginning. Venture started, one of the reasons why I love working with young adults is because venture started because three young adults heard about a need in South America and they decided they were going to do something about it. And while some people write checks and some people pray, these three people decided they were going to get on bikes and they were going to bike across the country. Uh, none of them owned bikes. None of them were cyclists. <laughs> uh, none of them knew how to connect 
cycling with fundraising, but all of that didn't mean anything to them. They were just going to do this thing. In less than three months, they figured it out. They biked across the country and raised $17,000, and that's what started it. Um, years later than Cedar Valley, as they continue to be a part of the venture story, um, heard about this crisis like you talked about. And uh, it was really moving because what what you guys did is an example of the power of what venture does. And that is take somebody's idea. They see a need. They want to respond to the need. They have a crazy idea. And I will tell you what you guys did had not been done before. Running 20, 25 miles every single day until you got to 100 miles, that is crazy. I mean, you and I were beat up, right? I ran with you that <laughs> oh, last day. Uh, but but the result was that you rallied your entire church. Your entire church's focus was not just on the refugee crisis, but on Christ's heart for the poor and the oppressed, yeah. right. the quartet of the vulnerable, as we see throughout Scripture. You, as young adults and a mixed range of ages, mm -hmm. you oriented everybody's eyesight for that season to Christ's heart for this area. And because of what you did, over 100,000 meals were provided because of the sacrifice. And so, man, I applaud Cedar Valley and I applaud you guys and your vision. It was fun to be a part of. And Paul, tell us a little bit too about how did you get started with venture or what came before venture in your time with young adult ministry? Yeah. So venture, my story with venture intersects right from the beginning because those three college students that wanted to bike across the country at that time, um, I was serving, wearing multiple hats at the university. I was a resident director. I was teaching college courses and I was also a soccer coach. And so these three students were um, intersected my life and they're like, we're going to bike across the country. And they're like, hey, we don't really have a plan. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're wild and crazy. And we're just going to figure it out. And they did. They had invited me to go on the trip. And I was like, not a chance, <laughs> not because biking across the country doesn't sound incredible. In fact, I'm going to do it next summer for the wow. first time ever. Wow. Um, but because they didn't have a plan and because while I have long hair and a beard and it looks like I like to break all the rules, I'm actually a rule follower and it's got to make sense in my mind. But these guys did it. And so I I watched them and I cheered them on and I cheered on this thing called Venture that Ryan and Aaron kind of co-founded and created around this entrepreneurial kingdom mindset that we should be living differently. And I was like, I want to be a part of that. Fast forward, I was a young adult pastor after working in higher education for nine years. I was down in Texas at an incredible church called The Oaks. Um, and as a young adult pastor, I get a call from Venture saying, we're going to bike across the country. We're going to come through Dallas. Can you host us? I was like, absolutely. One of the coolest things in the world was that Donald Miller was on that tour. Crazy. And so I was like, Donald Miller was taking a nap on my couch in Dallas. <laughs> I can remember walking in the door going, hey, that's Donald Miller using my internet. That's awesome. Uh, he's an incredible voice to this wow, day and yeah. what he's doing. So inspirational. But we used that. We were raising money for clean water in Africa through an incredible organization called Bloodwater Mission. And what I saw was what we experienced when you all ran did your run for the border, uh, was that our whole church mm -hmm. unified under this idea, not under venture, not under justice, not even under clean water, but under Christ's heart for the poor and the oppressed. And people go, I get it. Yeah. I get why this is important now, because when we move from comfortable to less comfortable, when we give sacrificially, when we pray sacrificially, when we log miles, it inspires people and they go, oh, that's part of the kingdom that makes sense to everybody, Amen. helping those people. And so as a result, I think 
Um, that initial offering when they came through was $135,000. We put a well in Marzabit, Kenya, and uh, that started uh, not only myself, but uh, our church going, man, this really not only grabs the young adults, but really represents Christ's heart for the poor and the oppressed and is something that needs to be done more often in more places. So Venture and I started this conversation, our church and the leadership of Pastor Scott Wilson, they celebrated us as we joined the Venture team after that. Actually, if I can back up real quick, there was there was a pivotal thing right in between there. So we host this tour. It's great. It moves my heart. It moves the church's heart. We see this incredible thing we host for the next couple of years on these Cross America tours. And then Venture called and said, would you and your wife Candace lead a trip? I'm like, absolutely. I said no one time to, <laughs> to going on a tour. I'm not going to do it a second time. Wow. But then I said, yes, whatever we're going to do, tell me we're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So I'm like, okay, well, let's do that. So we led a trip of 10 people. We climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. So pivotal. Mm -hmm. I remember climbing the mountain. I remember being sick. Mm -hmm. It was very exhausting, mountain altitude sickness, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of things going on, sickest I've ever been. But I get to the top of the mountain, and uh, while I wouldn't have been able to say Isaiah 58, 10, and 11 was going through my mind at that point, I wouldn't have known that it was that scripture reference. I can remember coming off of the mountain, and as I was getting more clear thought, I remember going, this is what it means to give yourself fully, like mm. Isaiah says, on behalf of the poor and the oppressed. And I remember clearly thinking, this is how I want my kids to understand yeah. the kingdom, is by helping the poor and the oppressed. And, and as you do research, as you look in scripture, more than 2,500 times is this idea of justice, biblical justice, not social justice, not any other kind, of, but biblical justice. 2,500 times there is this concept. That's more than it talks about money or sex which wow. we talk about a lot in church, right. but this idea. And so I started paying attention. And when the opportunity came to join Venture, um, the Oaks made it possible. Pastor Scott celebrated and launched us into this next season. And I've been with Venture now for the last eight years. That's amazing. And when I think of Venture, to me automatically, what tags with that is adventure. Like we serve a God that he wants us to experience the next level of that kingdom mindedness, kingdom urgency to take people there with us and bring That's forth right. those awarenesses. So one thing that you kind of touched about was what are some of the injustices in the world? And you said food, starvation, poverty, human trafficking. What would you say to leading young adults in these social injustices or maybe even biblical injustices that are still happening today, maybe to a different degree, but what does Jesus have to say about engaging in the world around us? How would you answer that? That's one of the greatest questions that you could ask because I love the idea of taking the opportunity where we see needs around the world and say, how would Jesus address this? Because that's at the core of what we do as young adult leaders, as pastors, but way more important as Christ followers. Yeah. Right. What, what do we do? What does what we know about Jesus and the kingdom, how does that inform our responses? Uh, one of the things that you talked about, I love that you said that venture reminds you of adventure. One of the things that we want it to be is a reminder that we are a citizen of a different kingdom. Amen. And so we're supposed to live differently. And the I, I'll be clear, running, biking, hiking, paddling doesn't save anybody. It doesn't save your soul, doesn't save anybody anywhere else. But what it does, it's a representation of getting off of our butts right. and moving from comfortable to less comfortable in the same way that Christ 
came from heaven and was sent to earth to an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. on behalf of other people. So yes. it's a picture. It's a reminder that we have a different citizenship. Then to get to what you're asking, Jesus is clear. The words of scripture before Jesus ever uttered them as fully man and fully God, all the way back, when we look at the first design, we see the Garden of Eden, where everything is in perfect order. Everything, the, the design, the order, the relationship between God, between humans, between the created universe are all in perfect order. And then there was a break. And after the break, everything else in the story is us addressing the break, is Christ addressing the break, providing a bridge to reconcile all things to him. Mm -hmm. And we focus mostly on humans, but it's, it's the created order. It's everything that God is doing, right? So when we look in scripture at that design, we see two words. We say justice, but in scripture, there are really two words that are connected to this concept. And whenever you see in scripture righteousness and justice, Together, those two things really help us understand what justice is. Righteousness is sadaka, And we think of sadaka a lot of times as our right relationship with God. But really, sadaka is our right relationship, the right order with all things. Mm. So it's around charity and generosity. Yeah. It's seeing needs and responding to needs. This is the normal progression of what we would see as just, because I am now in covenant with God, I want to be about the work of what he's doing around us. And he's putting things into right order. Us with God, us with one another, and us with the world around us. So Sadaka is just our ongoing, I'm going to work at that right order. Then justice, justice is mishpat. And that is when we see clear brokenness, when we see a clear breach of what we would refer to as shalom. So when people say shalom or peace, that's the right order. When we see breaches of that systemic problematic breaches, it is our responsibility to do retributive justice, which is just a nice way of saying, we're going to go in there and we're going to clean up that mess. We're not just going to feel bad. We're not just going to throw some money, but we're going to recognize systemic oppression, overwhelming brokenness, not because of just a government or a power problem, but because of a lack of a kingdom. And we're going to bring the kingdom there. And that's what that's what it looks like. That's why we identify places like human where human trafficking abounds, where, where there is clear refugee crisis, where there is overt oppressive poverty. We go into those places and say, the only full answer is yes, we are going to rescue. Yes, we are going to provide meals. Yes, we are going to come in and help establish institutions there. But most importantly, we are going to do it out of the power of the local church and the power of the cross to come and reconcile all people back to the original order. That's amazing. That's, That's a phenomenal. perfect response. And we're going to leave this a little cliffhanger. We're going to take a little break. So stay tuned. You can process those words that Paul just shared. He is passionate. He's teaching us things. So let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back. We're Micah and Josiah Keneally on youngadults.today. And if you do us a favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you would rate, review, and subscribe, as well as share, that will help us reach more leaders with the message of youngadults.today. So we're back after a fun, exciting, we're halfway into a conversation with Paul Herkman. I'm having fun. I know Micah is smiling, having fun. <laughs> Paul, are you having fun? I'm having a great time. And we're, you guys we, are great hosts. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So yeah, it's just a joy to chat today. And where we left off was we were talking about what does Jesus say about the greatest injustices in our world? And we left off with this concept of sadaka, and we started talking during the break 
of when I was in Israel, that's the only other time I've heard the word Paul, Sadaka, and how the Jewish people there explain it to me is it's obligation and opportunity, not mutually exclusive, but like blended together. It's like this duty, it's like a delight, it's a profound privilege to participate in Sadaka. That, you know, that you explained it far better than I do. Uh, dude, and dude, I, dude, dude. Uh, dude. You explained it far better because really isn't that the kingdom kind of in a nutshell is there's this tension between uh, I feel like I have to do it or I'm supposed to do it, but when I do it, it opens up this like, oh, this is what this new citizenship feels like. This is what this new freedom feels like. It's not law. It's not just willy-nilly. It's something in between that when we follow the design of the mm. kingdom that we are supposed to because it draws men and women back to Christ because it points to the original order, because it points to shalom. When we do those things, that's the obligation part that if we don't do it, people don't actually see the real version of the kingdom. And when we do do it, then we are entering into the kingdom, the now but not yet, this present kingdom that we pray his kingdom come and we go, oh, that's a taste, that's a feeling. And that's why I think this cons this conversation around justice is so powerful also so polarizing. Mm. I don't think Satan wants us to get the full idea of what right. this full concept of justice is. And on the other side, I see the conversation of justice much like I saw worship music 10 years ago. This emerging worship culture, which is so beautiful, has opened the doors for so many people to experience Christ and to be welcomed back into a church going, oh, okay, I get that music, I'm moved by that music, and it's their kind of gateway drug, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Justice and the justice conversation, mm -hmm. for especially young adults, but for many people, is that gateway drug back into the church as well. Oh, if your church cares about the poor and the oppressed, if it cares about the issues in our community, if it cares about those um, people in a country far away that you've never met, if you're doing stuff around that, I can get behind that. What else is true? And that's where we get to go. There's a lot more that's true about the kingdom. Absolutely. And I think it's so fun to know that every single one of us is designed so differently. So we're going to be spurred on in different ways from our natural talents, our gifts, this, the fruit of the spirit, whatever those different things are and how God has ingrained them in us. So if it's something that draws somebody into the, to the doors of the church, oh, you care about X, Y, and Z, I'm in. And I love how you said, what else is true? So if yeah. you're attending a, a church that is reading the word of God and they are teaching truth and they're delivering truth you can't help but to want to go there as well you know and teaching the church how to do that but how would you say that we can we can teach or challenge each other in a good and positive way when it comes to young adults and college pastors moving from comfortable to less comfortable on behalf of the oppressed and how can we lead others to do the same what advice would you have for those individuals yeah it's it's probably not going to be um, earth-shattering or new advice, but the, I think the best way to lead people is to show uh, more than you tell. That's so good. you think about show and tell, and mm. people are inspired by other people's sacrifice, not by other people's IQ. Mm -hmm. And while it's important to teach, while it's important to understand what Scripture is saying about these things, if we only understand and if we only teach and we're not showing, if they're not seeing active sacrifice, if they're not seeing our hearts 
turned towards compassion, if they're not seeing us willingly engaging in co-suffering, mm -hmm. then it just becomes a rote exercise on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or whenever the group meets. And so if we can first say, how am I growing in my understanding and my application and execution? And start in your community first. Right. So good. Well, <clears throat> and Paul, let me ask you this. Training, running, biking, hiking, sometimes it's around an event, but then sometimes there's an event that might be a, a gateway, it might be an on-ramp, but how do we move from event Christianity or event Christ followership, even event justice, to a lifestyle? How does that, how does that script or how, how does that go? Yeah, you know, one of the things that Ryan, our co-founder, says is um, the same muscle that gets you running every day can be the same muscle that gets you out of bed and on your knees in the morning every day. The point is that one of the ways that we move from an event to something else really has to be a daily decision and it has to be creating daily space. Now, that space can be and should be a level of set aside time for prayer and scripture reading. Uh, but it also needs to be space that we create in our finances so that we can respond with generosity. It needs to be space that we create in our calendar so we have time to respond to the needs around us. Uh, and so I think one of the biggest things that we see, one of the biggest struggles, is that people have highs. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of Satan's strategy. Hey, let people have the mountaintop. That's great. And as long as they're not equipped to deal with the valley, the valley, as long as they're not being discipled and they're just moving from experience to experience and they don't have the tools to travail through um, valley experiences, desert experiences, mm -hmm. or just the normative type of a thing. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about in break was Daniel. So Daniel uh, is living in Babylon yeah. and he's an exile. And that's a, a great way, at least for me, to frame how I think about being a Christ follower. Um, I'm a citizen of a different kingdom. And in order to better be able to flourish, because Daniel clearly flourished, is I have to figure out how I don't participate and I have to figure out how I do participate. The only way I can do that is if I set aside time every single day to orient myself and say, what does it look like to align myself to the kingdom? And if we're not asking that question, then you are gonna clearly and quickly become misaligned to the kingdom. And that's only gonna leave you agitated because you want, you want it, but you're not setting yourself up for success by creating a disciplined life to align yourself regularly. Tires have to be aligned, our lives have to be aligned. That's such a good way and a great analogy to, to look at that and to just constantly remember that where are we setting ourselves up and, and how much are we true, truly inviting God in in our each and every day and aligning with his kingdom. And I'm just going to do a little follow-up with that question that Josiah just asked. And how would you say, everything you just explained, how has that impacted you as a follower of Christ, a husband, and also a father to children? Yeah. So when... When I worked at the church in Texas, I mean, if anybody went there, it, it's an incredible church. But one of the questions that we would ask is, that I would ask is, um, who am I when I'm not paid to be a Christian? You, you know, the three of us, we all are paid. We're paid to behave. Right. We're paid to follow the rules. Right. We're paid to represent Christ. But my kids are not going to engage in the king, on the kingdom based on what I'm paid to do. They're going to engage in the kingdom based on what we do in our own home. And so it started a conversation when I was working at a church 
how do my kids see me as a Christ follower, really engaged us in the justice conversation. And so we got involved with venture. Well, then when I joined the venture team, I was like, well, well now what do I do? Because now I'm paid to do the thing that used to be the thing that was our thing as a yeah. Christ follower that we weren't paid for. And that started a conversation about, so now who are we as Christ followers in the city of Minneapolis, which is where we reside? What does it look like for us to be a citizen of the kingdom while living here. And um, that brought us to foster care. Uh, mm -hmm. It has quadrupled since we've lived here. Uh, the need is so great. The system is so broken. I, I applaud people that are working in the system. I applaud the social workers, the judges, all of that. I applaud them. But the system is broke. It's overwhelmed. And, and the solution as to all social brokenness is the church, is the kingdom of God. And so we started. I didn't feel called to foster care. I didn't have a dream about this, um, but we started the process five years ago, and now I have three kids, three more kids. I have five kids total, but we have fostered three, adopted two, and we're fostering again, and uh, it's made our family better to take that step, a step that we often wait until we feel called, if it's clear in scripture, you don't have to feel called. You just need to respond. You can't respond to every need, mm -hmm. but you should be responding to some need. If you are listening and you can't answer this question, what need are you responding to right now? That's the question you need to ask. And that's how you can engage in the kingdom, engage in justice, and um, continue to move forward from an event to a lifestyle. Paul, I, I love that because that's, that might land a hundred different ways with a hundred different people listening yeah. you know for some it could be foster care for some it could be venture for others it could be just meeting a need that's on their heart in yeah. their community right in front of them or even in their church right. i mean there are needs for volunteers in the church there are needs for people to step up in the church there are needs in the public schools there's needs in the private schools there's needs in their community there's needs in homeless shelters there are needs everywhere and it is one of the greatest places for us to practice the kingdom citizenship Absolutely. I love that response. And we're waiting for Paul to respond because we've come to the place in our message where we ask five in five. All so right. you're under rapid fire now and he's I don't ready do to respond. Fast very well. Ooh, he better warm <laughs> or up. Concise. He better All right. warm up. All right. I'm stretching. So All right. The warm up question <laughs> is right. the precursor. In social media, you might have seen this video Paul, why don't you wear shoes when you preach? All right, so let me be clear. Now that I speak more on a Sunday morning, <laughs> I do wear shoes on a Sunday morning. Um, I love the earthy, organic feel of barefoot. There's no depth to it. It's just that uh, when I was a young adult pastor, I wanted everybody to feel welcome. And when you come into my home, we take off our shoes. We kick our feet up. And so I just started kicking off my feet, and uh, no, I didn't kick off my feet because he still has those. I don't have the balance to walk around on stubs, um, but I kicked off my shoes and uh, walked around barefoot. I love it. Just made himself at home. That's right. I love it. And Paul, what has surprised you about young adults and the next generation the most? Uh, I try not to use superlatives even with my kids because that can fluster people. I don't know mm -hmm. about the most, but when you ask that, my first response is young adults want to um, not just be entertained, but they want to be incorporated. So yeah. a lot of times when people first start young adult ministry, they're just like, well, it's youth group 2.0. They're just going to do youth group and then they're going to add. But 
young adults are not looking to just be entertained based on their age demographic. They actually want to know how what they believe is going to be incorporated into their life. And then also if they're at a church, they want to know how am I going to be incorporated into the broader church? I don't want to be segmented out over here. Um, I need to feel like I'm a part of a broader narrative of what God's doing in this establishment. And we're doing five for five, so I'll just That's stop good. there. That's so good. good. So with that, Paul, what has been your favorite event or tour you've ever done? It's got to be climbing Kilimanjaro. One, I got to do it with my wife. Two, it was gorgeous. It was the toughest thing I've ever done. But also through that difficulty, it created such illumination on scripture and what my role is in the kingdom for the next couple of seasons in my life. It was, it was, it was the greatest trip. Fantastic. Okay, what is your favorite story of life change? So, okay, there are, we have stories where people start on a tour, not Christ followers. They end up Christ followers. They end up going and getting their theology degree, and they end up going to be a missionary. So, wow. so, but I think my favorite story is actually one of our co-founders, Aaron Smith, because he started, um, Aaron was a huge questioner. He was a cynic. He was, he's a critical thinker, not in the negative way that we think, but he was asking a lot of the questions that young adults ask about faith and life. Went on this tour, we, it, our tagline used to be benefit the world, discover the soul. It was while you're doing things to help other people, you're gonna better understand the answers that your soul's asking. Um, and he started with that and he never let go of it. And now he's a missionary in Thailand with his wow. family, still our co-founder, still with Venture, doing incredible things, but he's never given up, even when it's difficult, even when a family member passes, even when he moves his whole family overseas and has culture shock, even when there is difficulty in faith crisis, he's never given up. He keeps ans asking the right questions, seeking answers mm -hmm. in community. And uh, I just think he's a life that's worth modeling after. Wonderful. So good. So, Paul, on this podcast, my favorite question is asking leaders in ministry this question. Will you be willing to let us in on your life and share one of the most epic failures you've ever experienced in ministry? Okay, I, I will, <laughs> although I'll say the same thing, those superlative questions, I don't know if this is the most. What I will say is, I'll tell you what comes to mind, and maybe we'll leave space that that's the Holy Spirit prompting. When I went down to be specifically a young adult pastor, I, I think I've been in young adult ministry for two decades, mm -hmm. um, whether it's higher education at the church or the nonprofit world. Um, but when I was at the church, uh, I was so focused on creating a culture that would be accepting of all young adults, that they could be proud of, that would represent them. Sometimes, not even intentionally, it would create a a, a wall, a, a, an invisible wall between these young adults and the rest of the church um, and between having them engage. Because if you set a vision that's so cool and so age specific, you cater and you coddle as opposed mm -hmm. to inviting them to saying, you don't have to like everything under the roof of this church, but it's the bride of Christ. And it is my job to incorporate, um, to uh, inculcate, to engage you in the broader work of the bride of Christ. And if I was going to do it all over again, it would be less about the design and the brand of young adults. And it would be about during this season, how do we engage you in the broader work of the church, both inside the building and outside in the community. 
That is a fantastic reminder. Okay, Paul, we've come to the very last question. So if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with? You are uniquely equipped to be a bridge between what the kingdom looks like and what your community needs. Uh, You cannot find those answers from a podcast or from a book. You cannot even find it just from the Bible. You are uniquely equipped because you read scripture and you know your community. Do not be deceived or frustrated if your ministry doesn't look like somebody else's because the Holy Spirit is using you. The Ruach of the Holy Spirit is breathing breath into you, revealing what your community needs, not just the young adults in the community, but the community and the young adults are going to meet those needs. And so be informed by a wonderful podcast resource like this. Be informed by other young adult ministries. Be informed by other churches. But know that you are uniquely equipped in the space that you are at to do what nobody else can do because they're not there. You are. Paul, this is phenomenal. We're so grateful for who you are, uh, the family you lead, the Christ follower that you are, the example in our world, in our community, and just our friend. Thanks for taking time. Um, investing as a part of your legacy and your love for Christ and for justice. Great conversation today. And you can find out more about Paul Herkman and Venture when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, as well as across all social media platforms at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah and Paul signing off. See you later. Adios. I'm all wired up right now Plug me in I'm getting charged up Right now, yeah